How one American and one Kenyan allowed their shared faith in God to be the launching pad to their long-distance relationship that later turned into marriage. You're listening to Rock Your Kindness, a new podcast presented by Love What Matters and dedicated to highlighting incredible stories surrounded by kindness. I'm your host, Tracy Farron, author, speaker, cancer thriver, and online creator. But what I really love to do is inspire others to be kinder to themselves and those they encounter. Because you never know how your kindness can change the trajectory of not just your life, but the life of another. From Kenya to the state of Illinois, a beautiful five-year-old girl and 15 years of marriage later, don't ever let anyone discourage you into thinking that long-distance relationships cannot work. It worked for us, so it can work for you. First, let's rewind. In 2005, I met my husband in Kenya during his first mission trip. He was there serving those in need at the age of 26. That was the most attractive thing to me, a young man traveling around the world serving others. This was his last day in the country. The van he was traveling with broke down at the shop where I was also stuck without a ride. Waiting for my then work company vehicle to pick me up, I call it a divine appointment. It was love at first sight. We sat and talked for about an hour while he waited for another van to come pick him up, and I too waited. Before it was time for him to leave, he asked me, would you mind taking a photo with me so I can show my friends back home how beautiful you are? I said, yes, you can. He pulled out his Kodak film camera and asked one of the ladies from his team to take the picture. I then asked him, would you mind mailing me a copy of the photo? He said, I would love to. I gave him my mailing address so he could send it to me. Two weeks later, I received an envelope in the mail from the U.S. and was amazed to get a copy of the picture. He had a short note with it that explained how his journey was back home, ending it with my native language, Swahili, to say, you are so beautiful. The conversation began there. It would take me two weeks to receive a response and vice versa. This means we were in communication once a month. Who says you can't build a relationship this way? We did. So 2005, he was there on his very first mission trip, 26 years old. And his van that they were traveling with broke down at a shop where my sister worked. And I was there also stranded waiting for a ride to go to work. So the van comes in rolling it. It's a touristy area. And they come out and the group goes in. And, and I noticed they went inside the shop. I was sitting outside, me and my friend and just other people that work there. So we're talking. And my friend, after we've been talking, she said, Veronica, there's a guy back there who has been staring at you. <laughs> I said, what? She said, you've got to turn around. I said, no, that's really awkward. She said, no, look. So I turned around and it was like an open window, like glass window. And he was just standing there, like literally staring directly. He could see me directly from outside, but he could see me from the back. And I was like, okay, that's really awkward. So we continue talking. A little bit later, my friend tells me, Veronica, he's still staring. I look back and this time it was awkward. So I smiled. And he smiled back. A few minutes later, I went inside to get a Coca-Cola. I come back, sat down, and here he comes. So they're telling me he's coming. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, 
And one of the team members from the missions team they were with, she had come out and she was sitting next to me. So it was me, my friend, and the team member. So we're all three sitting. It's a bench that really cannot fit anybody else. He comes out and he goes, do you mind if I sit? And I was like, there's really nowhere to sit. But <laughs> so the team member, her name is T. She goes, oh, Terry, I'll be happy to move so you can take my spot. He sits down next to me. First thing he says to me, he's not shy. He says, hey, he whispered, any of these guys, like your boyfriend or your husband or anything? I was like, no, I was like 20. And these people are like 40s. And I'm like, man, these people are old. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I said, no, they're not. And I, we started talking and he said, what are you doing? And I asked him, what are you doing in the country? And he told me he was there on a missions trip. And I was like, I said, you traveled all the way from America here to do missions work. They had built a church in a very remote area. My mind was blown because I'm going, a young guy like that traveling to do God's work, it's really unheard of almost. So we started talking and he was telling me about what he was doing in the country. And I was telling him about what I do in Kenya and another van came to pick them up. So it was time for him to go. So he said, you mind if I take a picture with you so I can go back and show my friend how beautiful you are? I said, yeah, that's fine. He had a Kodak film camera and one of the ladies that he took her seat said, hey, I can take the picture for you guys. So we sat on the bench and she clicked and took the picture. I said, hey, I'll give you my address so that when you get back, you can send me a copy of the picture. Never thought anything of it. Gave him the address. It was a PO box because we don't have like home addresses in Kenya. So it was like a your box. And two weeks later, the driver of the company I worked for, because he would go and collect the mail and bring for everybody. He tells me, yeah, Veronica, I have a, a mail for you from America. And I was like, what? And then I remembered, oh, it's the guy that I met that day. I opened the letter and the envelope. He literally had found like a sticky note. It was ripped. It was like he found a little teeny piece of paper that he could write a note. And he said, I arrived safely. It's very cold here. It's wintertime because it was then November. And there was a copy of the picture. And then every time he wrote a note to me, he would end it with, you are very beautiful in Swahili. So we started talking. I responded to him and I said, hey, I received the picture. Thank you for sending it to me. Then I told him I was going in Kenya. I said, there's no snow here. And I responded to him with a picture of me just randomly just standing outside. He responded back two weeks later. So it was one conversation a month. It would take two weeks for him to get a response from me. And I would take two weeks to get a response from him. So the conversation started there. Wow. He went for it. I love that. What were your thoughts during all of that when he was being ballsy? I just thought, there's no way, there's nothing that could happen here. It's okay. He's obviously not shy. And I was like, yeah, we'll just chat and see what happens. Never thought anything of it. Never thought it would go past that. Never thought he would even respond. I never thought of it at all. And on the notes, when we exchanged, he had his phone number on there, but the phone calls were so expensive and I didn't even have a cell phone. So I had to use like a phone booth to be able to call. So I was like, I'll never be able to call. And I remember one day I was with my roommate because we shared a room. And I said, today we should go to the phone booth because everybody would stay in line. And when it was your turn, you would call. I said, we should go and try this number and see whether it would go through. <laughs> so we stay in line and I go to dial the number. Sure enough, the number goes through. And then I was shocked. I was like, oh, 
I don't know what to say. So I hurry up and hung up because I didn't know what to say. He got a missile. So later on, he reached out to the pastor that where he had built the church and told her, hey, I think Veronica tried to call me, but we didn't get connected. Can you please tell her that I did not hang up? The phone came through and I went to pick her up and it hung up. I hung up because I freaked out. <laughs> so the pastor calls me and she said, hey, Veronica, Terry sent me an email and told me that to tell you that he didn't really hang up on you. What do you want me to tell him back? I said, nothing. <laughs> she said, oh, Veronica, don't be shy. I know you like the guy. I said, you don't know me because I didn't know the pastor. We had never met. So she's just talking to me. So I said, just tell him that I said hi back. And that was it. She said, oh, she joked and she said, oh, I'm going to tell him you said you loved him. I said, no, you cannot do that. <laughs> it was so funny. So we started writing back and forth a whole year, 2005, we met, he returned. 2006, we were writing back and forth. Every single month, we had one communication. We continued talking back and forth, and in October 2006, he returned to Kenya again on a mission trip with his team. We got engaged on this trip, but he had to leave the country yet again. We continued with our long-distance communication through letters. Then we moved up on to bigger and better things, emails, then the occasional expensive few minutes of long-distance phone calls. In October, they were coming back on another trip. And then the missions leader asked him, hey, the girl you've been talking to, she seems like a good friend. She's also a Christian. Maybe you can ask her to join our team and she can help with translation. So he asked me and I said, that's great. And I've never translated before, but there's something new every day and I'm willing to try it. Join the team. When they came back, I remember I was waiting for him at this hotel and I sat there waiting for him and they come. And I remember telling him, hey, I haven't seen you for a whole year. Hopefully I'll be able to recognize you. He was like, are you kidding? What do you mean? I said, because I haven't seen you in so long. So they come rolling in in the van. Sure enough, he had not changed at all. I stayed in the room with the missions leader. And because they were, everybody was sharing a room, it's cheaper that way. So we started like traveling around the country and going to the church where they were going and all the missions work they were doing. I was a part of it. Slowly by slowly, we started getting closer and closer. So we went from having conversation to like, when we get in the van, we would sit next to each other. And then every time we're traveling, we'd go to someone's house or a church, we would sit next to each other. We never like held hands or anything. So it was just like, we're slowly getting closer. So then towards the end of the trip, so it was a three-week trip. We traveled around doing missions work, going different places. Towards the last week, we were in a place called Masai Mara. It's the most beautiful place. Lots of wildlife. And it was dinner time. Every time we were going to dinner, I would always wear a nice dress because I knew you have to wear a nice dress when you go to dinner. And he would come back and see that I dressed up. He would go back and change to try to match me. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm a little different, but that's fine. So then so he would come and get me from the missions leaders team because I shared a room with her. Then one night when we were all going to dinner, we were like, okay, everybody is just fully not ready for dinner. So let's just go for a walk. And we decided we're just going to go around the hotel and just go for a walk. And we're walking around and we found this spot. We're like, we're just going to sit here. 
it was an evening when they feed like the wild animals they were feeding the hyenas and we sat there we're like oh we're gonna sit here because we had not done that so we can see the hyenas get fed people are there taking pictures tourists and we're just sitting on this like little carb piece of rock we're just sitting and watching and it's like so beautiful it was just a nice quiet evening and people started leaving so there's hardly anybody else left and we're just sitting there just talking we were next to a building that had like an open window like clear open window and when we're sitting there we could hear something going on there's commotion there's loud noises and we're like that building is closed i wonder what's going on i feel about maybe a minute or so later this gigantic baboon come flying out the window and lands right in front of us. And I freaked out because I'm terrified of baboons. He was gigantic. He stands right in front of us and I freaked out and I grabbed him because I was scared. I told him, I said, I'm so scared of baboons. So he grabbed me. The baboon stood there, looked at us, wiggled his little butt and left. We looked at each other and we kissed. (laughs) Oh no! Then it was like, oh no, what just happened? How do we explain this? What do we do? So it's really awkward. And then we're like, oh, we need to get up and go to dinner and join everybody else. We got up, went to dinner, super awkward. <laughs> I was sitting there. And then he ended up telling me later, the missions leader would call him and go, hey, Terry, we noticed you and Veronica, she always dress up in the evening for dinner. You come and dress up and you try to match her. Is there anything going on? Oh, no. And even if there was, nobody would ever accept that. What do you mean that no one would accept that? Because when he said that, because he's there on a mission trip. Mm-hmm. So he's thinking, I'm here to do missions work. Who is going to accept I'm already hooking up with one of the natives instead of actually doing what I'm here to do? <laughs> so he's panicking that if he says anything to them, it's going to be like, oh my gosh, Terry, that's not what you're supposed to do. But that wasn't the case. The missions leader goes, no, for Terry, it would be the most beautiful thing. It would be so amazing. We can tell there's something between the two of you. He was like, oh, so everybody will be okay with it? And they were like, we think it will be the most amazing thing. He goes, oh, in that case, we kissed the other night. They were like, what? <laughs> it was so funny because of how everything was going around because I was always very protective about myself. And I thought, what is he going to think of me? Like I kissed him. What is he going to think? Like I go kissing everybody that I meet and I'm all worried about it. And I'm going, he's leaving the country. And I told him, I said, I'm actually really freaked out. I kissed you. You're about to leave in about a week. Leave me behind. And then what are you going to think of me? And he was like, well, if we really, so we're talking, we can take this to the next level because we both like each other. And obviously we have things in common. And so towards the end of the trip, we went to the jewelry shop. We were looking at jewelries and we were like, okay, so how do we fully know we can commit to each other? If we're going to fully commit each other, we have to be engaged. But how do we do that? Because how do I know you're going to wait for me? And how do you know I'm going to wait for you? And we're like, you know what? We're just going to be able to have faith that we were really put together for a reason. We went and looked for jewelries, found a ring. I picked out the ring that I wanted. But the next thing is, In Kenya, it's not just, we found a ring. Oh, great, we're getting married. No, you have to talk to my parents and have to face my dad. So that was the other part. We got the rings. I told him, I said, there's nothing I can say yes or no until my dad is spoken to. 
he can go and just talk to my dad because tradition wise, you have to have someone who is your dad's age or someone who is older than your dad to go and speak on behalf of both of you. So a tour driver, he was my dad's age. And we're like, okay, maybe Peter can speak for us. And Peter was like, oh yeah, me and your dad were the same tribe. We're going to speak a language that we understand each other. So then we're supposed to have my dad come and meet everybody. And I cannot tell him why he's coming. So I call my dad because I was traveling with everybody. We're in the hotel. So I call my dad. This was just like a few days before it was time for everybody to return back to the U.S. Call my dad. I say, hey, dad, you know, the team I've been traveling with and they've been doing missionary work around. They want to meet and talk to you. He said, about what? I said, dad, you have to come and hear it because I don't have a way to tell you. He said, what do you mean you don't have a way to tell me? If you can't tell me, I'm not coming. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, great. I said, dad, you can't be like that. My dad, he's very protective, but he's the most loving person. We're talking all night long. He tells me, if you're not going to tell me, I'm not coming. So we go to sleep. He said, he's not coming. I'm not telling Terry because he's just really going to freak out. Five in the morning, my dad calls me and he said, I'm going to be there. But if they say anything that I don't agree with, you have to understand I'm there to protect you and I will say no. And I was like, okay. So my dad comes at dinner time and we're sitting at this restaurant. It was me, Terry, Peter, who is going to speak, the missions leader, and my dad. Everybody else sat on a different corner like of the room. My dad sits down and Peter starts the conversation. It goes in parables. This gentleman here has seen something in your household. He has found someone and that he would like to take the relationship to the next level. So he's using all these parables in Kikuyu is my tribal language. English is my third language. So we have Kikuyu, Swahili, and then you have English. Wow. So he's talking to my dad. My dad is listening. So Terry can't hear what's going on. All he would hear my dad is saying, no, 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 no. So Terry doesn't know what's going on. I know what's going on. And I'm so embarrassed because you don't sit and talk relationships with your dad. And I'm just sitting there and I'm just so uncomfortable. So finally, my dad, after the conversation, looks at Terry. He said, why do you want to marry my daughter? In America, there's so many girls. You could pick one from there. Why here and why her? He said, because she's the one I love and she's the one that I want to be with. I believe God put us together and she's the one that I want. My dad looked at him and he said, I am going to say yes, but if you ever put your hands on her, if you ever get tired of her, you get back in the plane and bring her back to me. And you don't, you ever put your hands on her. He looked at me, he said, do you think he's the right one for you? I said, yes. (laughs) Because my dad always said, if you find someone that you love, that you believe will take care of you, who am I to say no? You go for it. What it shows from your dad is it shows that he trusts you. Yes. Right, that you are going to make the right decision for yourself. So I love that. And I love that he asked him, why my daughter? Because I think every parent wants to know what is it you love about my child that makes Mm -hmm. you want to marry them? Because honestly, I think the response that comes from that, I think will be like, "Mm, you don't want surface level stuff, right? You want to take it deeper. Yes. So I love the two things that your dad asked a question, but your dad trusts you enough to know that you'll make the right decision. And if you want to marry him, then great. You can marry him. 
In September of 2007, he returned to Kenya, and we had a traditional wedding that we planned through emails, letters, and those very limited, occasional, expensive phone calls. But we made it through. We had a small, beautiful wedding with family and friends from both sides. So my dad, we talked, and he says yes. He looked at Terry, shook his hand. He said, I I will allow you to marry my daughter. It's a yes, you can't marry my daughter. Terry was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. And we're just sitting there. We had dinner and my dad left. So then we had to get ready for Terry to return back to the U.S. So he went engaged and he has to go back for another whole year because now we have to go back to communicating through letters. And then we figure out super expensive phone calls. I would call every now and then, or he would call and we would talk like a minute or two. Mm. Then we figure out emails. So then we could talk through emails. We started planning. We planned the wedding through letters, writing to each other, through emails and those very expensive phone calls. I remember having to have my foot drawn on a piece of paper to show the size of what I wore because the sizes were different here than they are in Kenya. Everything was planned through writing to each other or through emails. So he comes back in 2007. 2007 in September. Now we're going to get married. We had not seen each other the whole year. He cannot see me until that day off. So when they arrived, he had to come to my parents' house. And so what happens, they say, if you know who your wife is, you should be able to pick her randomly. So there were about five ladies. It was me, my sister, my cousin, two other ladies. It was like a group of us. And we were all covered from top to bottom with this like wraps that we wrap ourselves with. So it was all wrapped up and everybody was all wrapped up. So we're supposed to all walk out in line and he has to choose which one is your wife. If you pick the wrong one, there's a fine to it because clearly you can't even recognize your wife in a random group. That's the craziest thing. What's the fine? Is it a financial fine? Not really like financial to charge you a certain cost, but it's almost like a fun thing happens like during the wedding. Like you're going to have to buy beer for the men or you're going to have to buy the wraps for the ladies or you're going to have to buy tea for the ladies, something like that. This during the wedding or before? This is before. So this is the wedding off. So he has to pick who the wife is. Who is your lady? Which one is it? So I had warned him, I said, just to prepare because I don't know. He could just randomly pick my sister or my cousin and then he'll feel so bad. So I told him, I said, I'm coming out third. (laughs) My cousin had overheard me somehow telling him. So she tried to pass me to try and trick him. My mom, when we were talking after later on, I said, why would you do that? She said, because I thought it was going to be funny. I said, it's not funny because I had already told him I was going to meet the third one when we come out. So we came out and he told me, he said, even if you didn't tell me, I knew who you are because I could sense your spirit. That's how connected to you I am. And sure enough, he picked me and then we had to take off the wraps. They say, you got to confirm that's the right one. So we take off the wraps, everybody, and it's me and everybody just talked and had a good time. Then they had to leave. Then we're going to meet now at the altar. They had to travel to come to my parents' house. Then I had to travel with somebody else in a different vehicle to be taken back. Coming out of the house, the bride gets carried by like people that you choose. I chose my aunt because she was very special to me. 
And I was scared you don't get to touch the ground. You're carried up in the air all the way into the car. So we got in the car, we arrived, he was there, everybody was there, everything was set up. And my mom and dad walked me down the aisle and we get all the way to the end. We do the vows, we do everything. So then it comes to the point, you got to kiss the bride. We don't kiss in front of our parents. And I'm going, this is going to be interesting. He's looking at me. He said, you have to kiss me. I said, this is very awkward. My dad is literally right here. And everybody is looking at me like I could see the American side of it because it's an American thing. And it's like, not a big deal. So everything was tradition. The music was tradition. The food was tradition. The decoration, everything was done traditionally. Terry, he's very easygoing. So he adapts to anything really easily. Everybody loves Terry because he's very outgoing, talks to everybody, eats everything, loves all the food. So I had to kiss him, but it was a very quick kiss before I even think my dad's watching me. (laughs) (laughs) So we kissed, the ceremony was done. It was time for the dance, like music. It was tradition. It's called Mogidi. What we played was called Mogidi dance. It's just tradition music. I learned that day that my husband cannot dance, which was a shocker to me. I said, music moves this way. You move along with the music. He said, no, my hips don't move that way. (laughs) (laughs) My husband's the same way. It's embarrassing. I was shocked. (laughs) It was the funniest thing. People were laughing. And the crazy thing, Terry is a bass player. He is the fastest bass player. People have told him he's probably the best bass player people have ever seen. He's into 80s metal and all that stuff. So he can play some really complex fast. I said, how can you play a bass but you can't follow a dance. He said, no, it's totally different. I could not believe it. People were laughing so hard. We had such a good time watching him dance. Oh my gosh. So it was so much fun. So we had to do the dance. Everything was like very limited. It wasn't like we have all night long. Once again, my now husband had to return to the U.S. without me as I was waiting for my immigration paperwork to be processed. Six months later, the paperwork went through and I met my husband at the O'Hare airport. It was quite a journey traveling around the world alone, something I had never done before. However, I am always up for a challenge, so it was fun. And then we got down with the honeymoon, went back to the missions field. We were serving this really remote area. And then again, he had to come back to the U.S. because my immigration paperwork wasn't complete. So everything is being processed and I had to wait six months before I can be with him. So this whole time, once again, we're talking to each other and he's mailing stuff, paperwork, immigration, tough, really tough stuff. Finally, everything went through and I had to travel from Kenya to Chicago alone. And he tells me, he said, I can meet you in London or I can come all the way to Kenya. I said, I'm the kind of person, I wanna save everything. I don't wanna spend money that doesn't need spent. I told him, I said, no, we can save a lot of money I just have to read directions. I can read directions. I'm going to be fine. They had sent me an email with every detail. Like, I have to follow these terminals. I have to do this. Follow everything. He tells me, when you arrive, because I was arriving in March, it's going to be very cold. So you have to dress warm. You're going to laugh. He didn't tell me, you dress warm when you're outside. Like, outside. So I get in the plane, and I was dressed fully warm. 
I'm dressed winter in the plane. <laughs> Get in the plane and I'm like, oh man, okay, well, the plane's taking off. It feels a little bit cold. And then we adjust the temperature. Then it's totally fine. I look around. Everybody's wearing tank top. Everybody's just all relaxed. Like they have their t-shirt. And here I am fully dressed, like full blown, like I'm going to the moon. I'm fat. I realized, okay, he was wrong. Clearly it's not that cold. So I take off my layers and I was left with like a little teeny t-shirt was open in the back and a little jean jacket that came like halfway in my jeans. I travel, we get to London. I went through London, Heathrow Airport. Hot as it can be, get this. In Kenya, I had never experienced heating and cooling ever. Like indoor? I didn't know you could heat the inside or cool the inside. It's not a thing that I had ever experienced. So we get at the airport and I'm like, how did he think it was going to be cold? Because this is really hot. The sun is shining outside, but I never stepped out of the airport in London. We get the next plane and it was Chicago or here. I get there as hot as it can be. It hasn't registered to me the heating inside and they mm-hmm. furnace warming up the inside. So I have all my layers off. I put everything in the suitcase and I'm like, he was so wrong. I don't even think he knew what he was talking about. It's not that cold. I walk outside with my little shirt. It was like 35 degrees. I had never experienced anything like that. Walk out. And I remember my mom used to say, if you travel different places, the climate change could affect you. You could get sick. And I thought, oh my gosh, I literally arrived here and I'm automatically sick. So I go outside. The sun was bright shining outside. In my mind, back home, the sun is out. It's warm outside. You go back inside, it's cool. So the sun hits the outside and you're inside, you're cool. That's how it works. I go outside, my face is on fire. I'm so cold. I couldn't even understand I was cold. I look around and I see this lady wearing literally gloves and she's got a scarf, she's got a hat. She's fully blown, like loaded dress. I go back inside because I'm trying to test what's happening here. I go back inside, it's hot inside. I go back outside, it's cold. Finally, I walked up to this lady. I said, ma'am, I'm trying to find my husband. He's supposed to come through this door and he didn't. Can I borrow a cell phone so I can call him? He gives me her cell phone. Super nice lady. I wish I could have taken that cell phone and talked to her later because she ended up being from the town that we live in. But I never saw her again. She gave me her cell phone, called him. I came out on the wrong gate. He tells me, he said, oh my gosh, you did not dress warm. I said, we're going to talk about this in the car. <laughs> First argument. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we get in and he's explaining. He had a jacket for me. He had hats and gloves and everything. And I was amazed. I said, I don't understand this. So then I couldn't even take my clothes off. Like I was so warm then. We get in a restaurant. He said, when you get in a restaurant here, then you take your layers off. I'm like, I'm not taking anything off because I'm still cold. I had never experienced that kind of cold ever. It was yeah. unbelievable. Would you say for him that it was love at first sight? Yes. And so was mine. It was. When I saw him, I had that feeling, but I didn't want to accept it because I didn't think it's anything that could happen. This guy's in America. I'm in Kenya. I would never see him again. So why would you even want to think like that? I was always guarded because I was afraid. Yeah. To be able to accept this could be, what if it's not? So a lot of people say that long distance relationships don't work. So what did you guys do 
to make your long distance relationship work? What do you feel like was it you did differently? Was it you guys were just super committed? And so anything that it took, you were willing to do? Not I was willing to do. I think our faith in God helped us because we believed it wasn't just we're getting married, we're going to live this like fairy tale life. No, we believed there was a mission behind that. It wasn't just you guys are getting married. There was something more to that. And we believe that. So we committed to ourselves, no matter what comes, no matter what anything may come or anyone may try to tell you, this is not going to work. Because I had people tell me, how do you know he's not out there with another girl? And I was like, I am choosing to trust that this is the right thing. This is the right one. He had the same thing. People thought he was crazy. What? A girl from Africa? There's no, no way. It would never work. But we believed it was just the faith. I would say that's what really got us through. Yeah. And I love what you said you trusted because I think a lot of people, especially in the dating world these days, it's a little different, but I love that you guys didn't let fear guide you, that you trusted and you believed in it. Yes. So I love that. Learning to trust your intuition and shutting out the fear of others is a powerful skill that when exercised properly can guide your life, but also allow miracles to take place. If you know someone this story might resonate with, send them a link to this episode. Also, tag me on Instagram at Tracy Farron and let me know what part of this story resonated with you the most. The best way to help support this show is to rate, review, and subscribe. Your support means everything. Until next time, rock your kindness.